And we are live. Welcome, everyone, to the Melanin Initiative. I am Geraldine Polimo, and I am joined by my two wonderful co-hosts, um, Alicia and Kimberly. In healthcare, there's often too much information and not enough time. Here at the Melanin Initiative, we avoid TMI by breaking things down into language that you can understand. We create a safe space for you to ask your questions and share our nursing's perspective without taking too much of your time. On today's episode, our goal is that you'll be able to discuss um, what causes sleep apnea. So that's the focus of our episode today is sleep apnea. We want to we discuss the causes of sleep apnea and the different types of sleep apnea, um, the risk factors for developing sleep apnea, um, discuss the signs that we're planning on discussing the signs um, and symptoms, as well as the steps to getting diagnosed. And we also are going to discuss the different um, treatment options that um, we can use for sleep apnea. Wonderful. So as always, this show is for educational purposes only. The opinions expressed are our opinions alone, and they are not a representation of any of our affiliations. If you are experiencing a medical emergency, you should seek medical attention and medical guidance from your health care provider. If you're having a physical emergency, you can call 911. And if you're having a mental health emergency, you can call 988. So let's go ahead and get started. We're going to dive into sleep apnea. Let me tell you one thing. If it's one thing I love, it's my sleep. So there could be there could be some problems though. So Kimberly, why don't you uh, give us the definition of sleep apnea? You're laughing because let me tell you, I love my sleep. Anyway, um, Kimberly, tell us what is sleep apnea and what what can we expect with this? So I, actually, I like that you brought that up. So first of all, we made Geraldine say her name that way. Because it's beautiful. Yes. Thank you. And um, I worked night shift for 10 years. So if there's one thing I know, it's how to sleep through anything. <laughs> I never had sleep problems. There would be a few times where I had to make some adjustments. But in general, once the shift is over, <laughs> my eyes were gone. <laughs> so yeah, the def- so we treat sleep apnea very commonly. Unfortunately, it is quite common, but easily treatable. This is a great topic where you can really do something about it and feel immediate results actually. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So sleep apnea is basically when your body stops breathing for 20 seconds or longer over and over and over and over and over. And so plenty of times I have suspected someone has it. I I just stand there and watch them breathing Mm -hmm. and it will, you know, they'll be have normal breathing or they snore and then it would just be silent. Mm-hmm. And still silent, and still silent. No chest movement, and then tell tell back. A few breaths that are normal, and then we go back into that decline. And that's the whole time they're sleeping, every single night, every day of the week, no matter where they're located. If you're watching us on YouTube, um, our channel is the Mountain Initiative. You'll see I put up. We put up two pictures side by side. So you can easily see the difference between someone who does not have sleep apnea and someone who does. We want to draw your attention to those blue arrows um, that are supposed to represent oxygen flow and how it enters through the, the nose or the mouth and all the way down uh, your pharynx and into your lungs. If you're not watching, basically what happens is say you're, you're listening right now, your tongue is low and you can basically stick your finger back there. But once we go to sleep, especially when we put our head back, yeah. that tongue closes off that 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 yeah. hair that opening, and then air can't pass through. And that's where that 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 turbulent, rough sound of the snoring comes in. 
And that leads to the problems that we're going to be talking about today. So not only will your nurses do an assessment, but your dentist, your dentist is your friend. They're, when they go into your mouth, they're not just looking at your teeth and your gums. They're looking at the entire oral cavity. And they're part of what we consider your primary care team. They specialize in your oral health. So we've shown another picture here. And this is a great graphic. So if you are listening, you don't usually watch us on YouTube. We do recommend at least tuning in around the four minute mark so you can see these photos. And so we have the uvula in the back and it shows that for people who have sleep apnea, it's typically longer and it might be larger. Same with the tonsils and the tongue. And all of those show that that hole that's in the back of your mouth, that airway opening is just getting smaller and smaller. Right. And some of the risk factors for um, sleep apnea, for developing sleep apnea, include being um, a male. Um, Age is a big one as well. Typically, middle and older adults are at increased risk for sleep apnea. Having a large uh, neck circumference and a narrowed airway, as Kimberly mentioned, you go into your dentist's office or even as nurses, we, we open up your mouth, we assess the airway. And if there's a little bit of space in there, that's one of the uh, risk factors. We're like, hmm, this patient may be at increased risk or may already have sleep apnea. Um, and a lot of times having that large neck and that narrowed airway is due to being obese. So um, once again, lifestyle modifications is a heavy, heavy uh, topic that we like to uh, emphasize um, throughout all of our episodes. Another risk factor is having high blood pressure or hypertension. Smoking is another risk factor. And then also the use of alcohol um, or sedative medication can increase your risk for sleep apnea. Yeah, especially that sleep medication. So Mm -hmm. even if you have a history of taking sleep medication at home and you come in and we do an assessment and find out that you have it, we might not prescribe it until your sleep apnea is under control, if at all. Because the last thing we're trying to do is call a code in the yeah. event that you stop breathing. We don't like codes. No. Yeah, we're always trying to avoid complications and be prepared if and when they occur. And so that's why everyone who comes to the hospital is going to be evaluated in case you need a breathing tube or anesthesia. Because, again, anything that puts you to sleep, it prevents you from waking up and resuming your breath. Right. Exactly. So sleep apnea can affect your whole body. So um, you are at risk for having a stroke, a loss of vision, having kidney disease, bone loss, developing dementia, depression and anxiety, heart disease, and some sexual problems as well. Yes. And typically we always talk about the issues related with blood circulation. And so the blood carries nutrients and oxygen. And so when those organs don't get the oxygen they need, they don't function the way that we expect them to. And while we're focusing on obstructive sleep apnea, there there are other forms of sleep apnea, including a neurological type, which has a different treatment altogether. Um, But we're going to focus on obstructive because that's the most common and that's the most common one we see in the hospital. Exactly. All right. So you come into the hospital and um, we... We're running some tests and we're trying to figure some things out. So you have a nurse that's going to ask you some questions. A nice nurse. A nice (laughs) nurse who's going to ask you some questions because, and really, we're going to ask you these questions, whether you came into the hospital concerned about sleep apnea or not, because as we just showed you on the previous slide, sleep apnea can affect so many other systems in your body. So 
even if you're coming in maybe for a, um, a high blood pressure crisis or some pain, it doesn't even matter what you're coming in for. We're going to um, ask this assessment just to see if you are at risk for or if you are currently um, having sleep apnea. So some of these questions we're going to ask you include, um, has anyone ever observed you um, not breathing while you sleep now or snoring, right? Now, obviously, that's a question that someone has to tell you. Mm -hmm. You may not know the answer to that, um, but that goes back to one. We always advocate that you have a support person with you at the bedside. So maybe, you know, they've never witnessed you sleeping, but they could moving forward. Um, maybe if you took a nap at their house or maybe, you know, you need to have a sleepover. I don't know. But a support person could help answer some of these questions for you. So one, like I said, have you been observed uh, sleeping or do you snore? And it's not just like a little roar snore. It's one of those like loud, we can hear you through the building snore. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, it's those loud, obnoxious snores. We're also going to be interested in what your um, your BMI is. And um you know, if it's a certain number greater, we're going to also be interested in the width of your neck and how large your neck is. Um, once again, larger neck, narrow airways, harder for air to get through. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are the kind of questions we're going to ask you, regardless of what you're coming into the hospital for. And um, once again, it's to just are you at risk for developing sleep apnea? And it's not only in the hospital setting, uh, as I would in primary care. Um, we also ask those same questions um, when patients come in to assess those risks, even if they didn't come in once again for sleep apnea, if they have high blood pressure, or even if it's an incidental finding of high blood pressure, it leads us to want to further investigate what's going on um, with the patient. So we do those, we ask those same questions um, in the primary care setting as well. So this is oh sorry this, this is one of those times where you may be thinking why is they why are they asking me this yeah. this yeah. has nothing to do with yeah. why I'm here mm-hmm. but it goes back to this affects so many other parts of your body it is so important I promise you we're not asking you questions just to ask you we also have other things you could be doing with their time but we're asking you because it's important right we trust me if we're if, if we're asking you we want to know the answer okay it's necessary. <laughs> it's necessary so that those questions Alicia was going through is an assessment called stop bang mm-hmm. and basically we want to know has anyone ever told you that you stop breathing or snore in your sleep so if you don't have a support person you can record yourself mm-hmm. and while you're in the hospital your nurse will be observing you so if they come back and tell you believe them (laughs) okay and then we're going to take a a measuring tape and measure the circumference of your neck we're going to write that down we're getting your weight for a number of reasons but we do use that to calculate your bmi we're going to ask you when you wake up do you ever feel tired or sleepy throughout the day Mm -hmm. because all that time that you're you stop breathing your body's not getting oxygen especially your brain and so really when you're not really sleeping because every time that 20 seconds or so hits your brain is waking you up so you physically might not wake up to the point that like, oh, I'm in the room, you know, it's 12 o'clock, your body keeps waking up. So yeah. in the daytime, there it's exhausted. Mm-hmm. There's a number of reasons you could be exhausted, but that is one, particularly if you have sleep apnea, if you've ever been treated or diagnosed for high blood pressure is also one of the questions in that assessment. So and every time you come, yeah. we're going to, yeah. that's yes. the other part, right? We're going to ask you. Yeah. So you've got to change, right? It can change, right? You, we gain weight, we lose weight, you know, things can happen in life. So you've gone to the hospital, <laughs> unrelated, you know, 
we have diagnosed you with sleep apnea or we're concerned that you have sleep apnea. Mm-hmm. So one thing we may suggest you do is a sleep study. Mm-hmm. We love so sleep studies. We yeah. will def- if we suspect that you have sleep apnea, we are definitely going to send you off to a specialist to get a sleep study. I do want to point out with sleep studies, it's not only done in, like a lot of times sleep studies mm-hmm. are done in the hospital, mm-hmm. but there's also the option to do an mm-hmm. at-home sleep study yeah. where depending on your insurance and things like that, um, where you get set up, you have to go to your primary care provider to have this done, mm-hmm. but they order um, the at-home sleep study. You contact the company that does the sleep study. They send you the the kit and they sh- explain to you how to use it. And basically you hook yourself up mm-hmm. to the monitor and you don't have to go into the hospital to do it. You do this at home. It monitors you and records um, your breathing and everything as you sleep. And it's, it's sending the information to a, a doctor that has, um that basically reviews everything. And then from there, they can either diagnose you with sleep apnea or roll it out. Right. Right, exactly. It's yeah. It might not even, it might not even be that at all. Exactly. And that doctor is called a pulmonologist and they specialize in the lung diseases of the lung. Um, and so if you do get diagnosed, they'll con- you'll continue to follow up with them and continue to see primary care. Um, and yeah, what, one thing I have heard of, I love the home sleep study yeah. because you're going to be in a, in a comfortable environment. Right, yeah. You're more likely to sleep like you normally do yeah. so we get a much better evaluation than if you're in a cold dark strange place mm-hmm. you might not sleep the whole night and yeah. so the the assessment it's still sufficient but we just get better outcomes but i've heard patients say they had to wait like three months for that right and the last thing we want to do is wait, wait. yeah right so you get the sleep study and you are diagnosed with sleep apnea so what comes next is treatment so um everybody's favorite, everybody's favorite. <laughs> lifestyle modifications (laughs) we're gonna gonna stress lifestyle modifications throughout many of our episodes this season um treating that high blood pressure uh getting that blood pressure down by either um you know reducing your salt intake your sodium intake getting that regular exercise um you know weight loss is a Mm -hmm. huge one a lot of times that can definitely decrease your risk or help with the management of your sleep Mm -hmm. apnea um smoking cessation <laughs> and um yeah those are the main yeah because like that picture we showed earlier where we showed the uvula that thing that hangs in the mm-hmm. back of your throat your tonsils and your tongue those can take up space but so can the fat in your yeah. neck mm-hmm. you know and so honestly as nurses we can look at people and tell they have sleep yeah. apnea we do the assessment because you have to document <laughs> information but 99 percent of the time we already know just looking at someone. And so as you lose weight, that will improve. So you might have two sleep studies. The first one might be to diagnose you. And the second one might be to say, okay, you're good. You don't need this anymore. Right, but that's right. the only way to know. And the this that uh, Kimberly is talking about uh, is what we call a continuous positive airway pressure mm-hmm. machine <laughs> or CPAP. So. What's a CPAP machine, Kimberly? So this is just a basic picture of your well, of the components of a CPAP. CPAP being the most commonly used term, a mask. So you have the mask. So if you're not uh, watching, we've put up a picture of a CPAP mask, which is like a plastic device apparatus that goes over the nose and mouth. And then there's straps that go around your head. That'll be hooked up to some tubing that leads to a box. That box, usually, most of the ones I've seen, you always have to put some water, water in there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then um, that box is hooked to an, a cord that's hooked to the wall because you do plug it in. 
the the um, buttons are super easy. It's usually on and off. off. Yeah. And then there is a setting because there are certain settings. That's mm-hmm. where that sleep study becomes really important on where you're, the amount of pressure that you need to keep that airway open is required. And so when you come in, if you have been on a home CPAP, this is a home device, you can bring it with you to the hospital. We might ask you what your settings are. If you don't know your settings, we can have the respiratory therapist come and determine where to start you at. And then we'll keep you on the um, an oxygen saturation monitor. And is if you dip below like the goal of where we want you to be, maybe it's 92%, maybe it's 88%, then we'll call the provider and say, look, they've been, they've had apneic for apnea, sleep apnea, apneic episodes, you know, very frequent over the last five or 10 minutes, and they've been satting less than 88%. Then the provider might say, okay, call respiratory, or I can just call it respiratory, mm-hmm. especially at night, because that's how it is. We'll come back and make those adjustments. And then I don't know if they tell patients that in the hospital, but usually patients, especially once they've been on this for a long time, they know their settings. Yeah. That makes it super easy. The one thing they don't know is that when they're going to be admitted to the hospital. So the first night or two, they might go without it. Right. And so we'll put you on some oxygen in the meantime, but that oxygen doesn't keep that airway open. So this is better than that oxygen. And so you just have your family bring it in. And if there's some reason people can't visit, the nurse can go down and pick it up. And this is just another graphic of what the continuous positive airway pressure machine would look like. Um, As you can see, it doesn't look like the most comfortable (laughs) uh, piece of equipment to wear. Or attractive. Which is a huge barrier barrier. to people. Exactly. So if we're talking about people not wanting to wear it, you know, let's be be honest. This is the most sexy thing to wear, right? (laughs) So, but it's necessary um we you know we talked about this before but you have to wear this machine to um for your cardio your heart health your mental health all these other things respiratory to 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 breathe so yeah yeah, so the straps around the head and the mask over your entire nose and mouth it can be uncomfortable but i'm here to tell you that people that wear this a Mm. lot they do get used to it and so, they love it. And they yeah. love it. Once they, they, the get, on it, they get ooh, Oh my gosh. I want that kind of sleep. Whatever they are experiencing, whatever they are experiencing, they are having the sleep of a lifetime. Yes. They said, I have never slept so good. All oh my gosh. All of them. Yes. Once, once they get, to, once they make that transition, because you're not used to having something suction to your face. Yeah. Right. And it's blowing out cold air. There are some warm ones, but the most of them are cold. And it, you can't tell from the graphic, but sometimes they make noise. It depends right. on, you know, the, the brand and the, the the one that you have. And then they also have different ones. So some, you know, some people over time, like sometimes can't tolerate having the mask for whatever reason, and that is okay. They do have um, nasal um, CPAP machines where it just goes in your nose as opposed to covering your whole mouth. And that might be more comfortable for you. And this, we have a graphic on the screen now that kind of shows what that would look like. So this is more of a nasal prong approach where it goes just into the nostrils and it doesn't cover your entire mouth. It's still strapped to your head, but you may find this a little more comfortable. And you can still drink and take your medications and talk and get kisses before bed. So that's what it looks like. Yeah, we've included some people of different ages because we want to emphasize that it can happen to anyone at any age. And this is another version. Just to show you what it looks like. Yeah, this one's kind of over the head and over to the back. 
so many options now. Yeah. You can even pick them up in store. Yeah. And then we also sh- want to uh, show you here. And they have apps related to them too. Yeah. This is another version. But um, one thing that's also important to know about these machines is this is not just when you go to sleep at night and you're going to be in that long yeah. siesta. <laughs> this is also for when you're taking those short naps in between the day. Because yeah. a nap that's 15 minutes or a nap that's for eight hours you can still have these apneic or those no oxygen episodes. So it's still going to be important that, you know, sometimes we don't always know we're going to take a nap. You could be watching TV, just doze off. Mm-hmm. But if you are taking an intentional nap and you know you're kicking, look, he's, he is, he kicked up. <laughs> he knew he was going to sleep, which is why he put that, uh, that those prong in. And he looks pretty comfy. Right? And he looks very comfy. Because he's getting the rest. Exactly. Mm-hmm. All right. Ooh, hypnosis. Did you want to talk about hypnosis, Kimberly? Yeah, well, you know, in so we have uh, conventional or Western medicine, which mm-hmm. is all these prescriptions people don't want to take. And then we also have Eastern medicine or what we call complementary medicine, which can be used in addition to, um, and some people choose to only use that mm-hmm. one. Um, but we yeah, have one of those options in addition to like acupuncture is hypnosis. And I have, there's been studies out there where people have used that to help them. And so we just wanted to kind of briefly mention that uh, there's some other options out. people, some people look, people can be really um, against the mask and we want people to get any treatment that's available and effective. Mm-hmm. And if sharing that there are these other options available and that that's something you're more inclined to try first, um, then we certainly want you to know that information is available. You can also go see your dentist. They have certain guards yeah. depending yep. on the level of your obstruction that you can place in the mouth. And that will keep the airway open. Um, so, yeah, there's op- lots of options out there. But just keep in mind that every night that you're not being treated, you're losing some function of your body that you might not be able to get back. And we, so, yeah, one of the long term complications that you're never going to know about is that lack of oxygen to the brain over decades. This is decades. Right. And so now you're coming to the hospital, you're in your 70s or 80s, maybe your 90s. And after all that time of not getting oxygen, now you have um one of you mentioned earlier. Dementia. Oh, yeah, dementia, right? Yeah. And then just, and so you're coming in confused. Your family hasn't been able to control you. And we do a lot of testing and find out that it's related to lack of oxygen over decades. And at this point, you're not getting that function back. Yeah. And so actually, you're not even participating in care. Whoever brought you to the hospital is the one that we're going to to have all the questions answered and to determine how to move forward. And that might mean not going back to your home with your loved ones. Absolutely. So, All right. So today we discussed uh, a lot about this topic, sleep apnea. We talked about what causes sleep apnea, the different types, the risk factors for developing um, sleep apnea, such as age and um, blood pressure and and uh, high, um, obesity, obesity, <laughs> things like that. Um, and then also we discussed the steps to getting diagnosed, and as uh, we also discussed the treatment options that are available. And just poor quality of life, right? Yeah, if you're not sleeping yeah. every single day over time, right? You try, you think you've tried everything, you know, like fatigue, anxiety, mm-hmm. depression. Yeah. You know, it could just go down so many, so yeah, many, exactly, yeah. so many avenues. So. Yeah, certainly you're going to be in a bad mood. Right. And yeah, it's a real conversation, right? Because it can definitely interfere with you know intimacy, right. and so I'm sure your partner. You know, they've been dealing with the snoring, right? right. So they're probably open to trying a, something else, especially if it's going to save your life. Exactly. So as always, you can email us your questions or show ideas at tmi.melanin at gmail.com. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook. 
please share the show with your friends, rate our Apple podcast and Spotify and leave a comment as this helps us get the information um, out there and it helps us in, um, get more support for our show. You can find us, um, you can find our social media links and a list of resources related to our conversation today in the description box. Also, uh, we release an episode weekly on Tuesdays, TMI Tuesdays at 10 a.m. on YouTube and all of your favorite podcast apps. Follow us, like, and share our content with all of your friends. Thank you very much for watching. Thank you, everyone. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope you enjoyed the episode and we didn't give you too much information. Join us next Tuesday at 10 for a new episode of the Melanin Initiative.